Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 41, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Well, a very hello, warm welcome, and a hello to you all. Dan Power with you, alongside my co-commentator, Pete Steinberg. A bumper show coming up tonight as we will jump into our first of the team reviews, and it is the Austin Elite. We'll be joined by their on-again, off-again, retiring, I'm not retiring, maybe I'll play one more game, Andrew Suniula, later in the show. And we will have a dive into all the PNC games that involved USA and Canada. It's an easy one because they played each other on the weekend. And preview the games they have coming up this weekend, plus news around the MLR clubs. But firstly, I welcome in my co-host, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, uh, back in Colorado, I'm hoping. I am back in Colorado. I have one trip in August, like uh, one overnight stay in Chicago, and, and the rest of the time I'm, I'm going to be home. So I'm going to milk it. I, I've I've had terrible luck getting back from the East Coast. I got in at 1 a.m. this morning from Pittsburgh. Um, everything bad happens around Newark because my pilot was stuck in Newark and couldn't get out. So, um, But excited to be um, in Colorado for most of August enjoying the beautiful weather that we're having did you get a travel tip out of this uh, unfortunate event you know I, I i think the travel tip that i have and i think I, I i think we've had this one before but it whenever there's delays never stand in line um always call the airline even if you have to wait 30 minutes because if you're standing in a long line then everyone in front of you is going to get a seat before you do and um it takes it's going to take a good 10 minutes a person 30 minutes, call the airline. Um, the people there, if you have a delay, will be able to change it for you. Um, and that's the uh, um, the best advice, I guess, um, I I can I can give in those sorts of delays. Yeah, and fly around the world like you do and get really good status. So you get the private line, you can call up so there's no waiting, <laughs> and bam, no, it's funny. It's, it's funny because there was a, a guy sitting next to me who had a connection in Denver to L.A., and um, – you know, they, they when they announced that the significant delay, we were supposed to leave at 7.40 and then they were saying we weren't going to leave till 10. And so, uh, you know, he was like, oh, like, what are we like? We, you know, in those moments, there's this bonding that happens, right, with all the travelers and we were talking. I said, well, let me call, let me call United for you. And the first time I called, it didn't recognize my number. And it said, you know, we've got a, uh, um, you know, a, a, due to travel weather problems, we have a higher than, usual call volume and it was like you need to wait you know your wait time is 26 minutes so i hung up called again and this time it recognized my number and put me right through so i, I hope that guy like I'm, I'm willing to spread around the status if you uh, if you look like you need it did they apologize sorry mr steinberg we didn't recognize the number we apologize <laughs> don't fly no, anyone no, no, else you, up. you just hang up you call back they don't know like you, you know they don't they don't know i'm not quite global services i might get to global services this year, but um, which apparently is a whole new level of, of service. So, but yeah, so back here and excited to uh, um, start our reviews. Well, let's jump in to uh, well, this depending on who you support in Major League Rugby could be a difficult review. It is the Austin Elite who, well, they win the, the wooden spoon and also the crown of the first team to go and do a Cleveland Browns and not win a game during the season. Uh, it was a very, very rough uh, season for Austin. 
So let's just jump into the year that was. Is there anything that you can take out of 2019 for Austin Pete that is a shining light for you? Well, I mean, I think for me, um, Ben Mitchell is the is is the shining light for Austin. Um, they, you know, he was there. Um, he's at the top ten in the league in lineout percent. You know, lineout takes and lineout steals. Um, he's in the top ten in dominant tackles. Um, he's in the top ten in ball carries. Um, he's the top ten in tackle percentage. I mean, this guy is a stud. Um, and you know, there are some other players that they have like Josh Lawson. But the thing is good. And if you look at their stats, Dan, you know they're not that far off. I mean, you know, it, it's you you can look at the um, possession and territory, and it's very very close. But what you see very quickly is you know they just didn't have enough of the ball. Um, they struggled a bit in the scrum, um, but their lineouts were pretty solid. Um, you know, they 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 were pretty good defensive side. They were in some of these games. I think the struggle that they had was um, in their halfbacks. Um, they didn't have a natural nine, and their they didn't have a natural ten. They were trying players all over the place. They were they had some visa issues. Um, you know, you look at some of their the, some of the players that really stood out, like um, Andre Spinacecca, who came in late, or JP Aguero, he came in late. Um, uh, uh, um, Mo Abdulmanim, he came in late. There's, they, they never felt like they they had a, a, a team that they could really play around. I think Rodrigo Silva is a great player, but he's not a ten. He played, um, uh, you know, and you know most of. For most of their season, he was the 10, um, especially at the end of the season. And, you know, um, Soho uh, Judao ended up being the scrum half, even though he's a fullback. So it, you can't, at this level, just put good rugby players um, in at 9 and 10. And I think that really hurt them for the season. Yeah, I think the Rocket Rod Silver was... Uh... Probably my favourite player down there for the year of the season he had, playing out of position. I've seen him play quite a bit of 15. I've called some of his games when he's playing internationally for uh, Uruguay, and I think that suits him a little more. But he put his hand up and played out of position at 10. I think he's played quite a bit of nine as well uh, internationally and, and before coming to Austin. But put his hand up. Obviously, Ben Mitchell, you mentioned his stats. He had a great 2018 and carried it over to 2019 as well. So put your coach's hat on now, Pete. Who are you signing? If uh, you look at everyone's a free agent, who are you bringing in types of players to help Austin next year? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that it'll be, um, you know, I, I, think, I think I'd go overseas for a 10. I mean, that's what, that's what you need to do. I think one of the interesting things about Austin is, um, you know, they've, they've really pulled players from all over the place. I mean, it was one of the comments that we made when we did the games, Dan, with Austin was sort of like all the different languages that you heard. Um, and, you know, but I think they're going to need a really, you know, if they could get a really good 10, someone that's played championship level in England or might a 10, they need someone that they can really play around. Um, I think that with that, you can find an up and coming nine, you know, that could be domestic. Um, you know, someone coming out of the colleges. Uh, I think that um, there are there are players that that could be made there, and then you know they they need to get on the tight head bandwagon, right? So um, Juan 
um, Echeverria really worked hard, um, but he was the most penalised player on the pitch because of the scrum pressure that they were under. And, um, you know, everyone went out and they found a great tight head and they built their scrum around that tight head. And that's what Austin need to do. Yeah, we've seen the success of the scrum really being the cornerstone for most of the teams who have done well in the first two years. Seattle, you know, with Tim Metcher and, and crew up there and then Patty Ryan uh, down in San Diego this year. So pretty good options, pretty good options. Well, let's uh, let's welcome a person uh, intimately involved with the club as a player and now moving himself over to the administrative side, uh, USA Eagle and a uh, long-time friend of the show, Andrew Suniula, who's going to join us now to talk a little bit more about Austin Elite. Joined now by, well, I guess former Austin Elite player. I'm not too sure. Andrew Suniula, are you officially uh, retired? For real this time, Drew. For real. Yep, I'm officially retired. Uh, sent that message out, but I think it just needed to be uh, done in a way where it made sense for me. It, uh, I think all the stars aligned and the timing was right, uh, but it was in the back of my mind throughout the season. So, so, so uh, hold on. So you're saying next year, a couple of injuries with the Austin Elite, coach comes to you and says, hey, can you sit on the bench for us? Your answer is absolutely not because I'm retired. Absolutely not because I've already put that place that that in place. Okay, As in, okay. we won't be in that situation. Got it. Again. Oh, look at that. Good answer. Good answer. Drew, Drew, what's your role with Austin now? Now that you've you've hung up the boots, you're going to stay in Austin. You're going to stay with the elite. What role have you taken on with Austin? Uh, right now, uh, you know, I'm helping Todd with the director of rugby, general managing side of things. You know, obviously, there's no season, so therefore, there's there's no other roles apart from you know, preparing for the 2020 season. So uh, and just just in general, it's it's a general managing and, and a director of rugby. So really no real role, but just doing wearing all those hats at once. Well, let's talk a little bit about the year that was and not, not a great year in Austin. Um, obviously, going winless is not something that any organisation wants and, and especially eventually as a player, when you did put the boots back on, you wouldn't have wanted either. I know you're a a very fiery competitor through your great career, so that must have been tough. Where do you think, looking back on 2019, things went wrong for for the organisation throughout the year? Um, You know, know, in 0-16 season, you got to, you know, it's not, you know, you can't really, really trace it down to one factor. And, you know, it it, it, it leaks into other areas of, of the organization as a whole. But I think from a rugby perspective, we really, um, you know, I think we, 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 we didn't, we didn't execute particularly in the, uh, in our recruitment, uh, particularly around the, the local areas where we had to go overseas. We chose to go overseas uh, with our players and, and just the way the, you know, the, the, the competition is structured with salary cap wise. Um, you know, we, we weren't able to, to attract or or buy the, the certain level of player that um, you know that could come in and fill in, but in the end we ended up um, you know sp- spreading the wealth, I should say, and spreading it thin, uh, and then we were we we're not able to um, to connect on a rugby level because we had a lot of uh, you know 
different nationalities and cultures. So for, just from a day-to-day communication, on the field communication, it was pretty difficult, uh, especially to get the messages across. We had five or so different languages. Not saying that that was the be-all and end-all, but I think it just led to a lot of cultural issues within within the group, uh, not just in the rugby side, but from the building, uh, from inside the building as well, which, which you know, uh, it really it really affected our our day to day operations. Trying to trying to get get something good on the field at practice, um, uh, and yeah, we struggled to find solutions to that. So, um, when when you look at the team and you know and you've talked about some of the recruiting challenges what were some of the good the good surprises what were you know who were some of the players that that stood out um for the elite difficult season but you know some of the players that you feel like you might be able to build around in in 2020 um yeah we did we you know um there, there are some good surprises and also some not so good surprises as well as in you know uh, um, the things with they they you know they did recruit you know came came with a guarantee uh, and when it didn't turn out to be that way that was not a very good surprise but on the flip side there was a couple of guys um, I'd say probably in the local side uh, for someone like Lerone White who who we found in the combine last year came through uh, you know was released by Seattle we picked up on say waivers or what or whatnot but um, he was a great surprise given the opportunity couple of injuries uh, he came through uh, you know in a struggling you know in a struggling team but uh, you know he had a lot of leaps and bounds JP Agrita was another one um, you know out of Lindenwood you know great very twitchy guy very 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 um, you know explosive and fast. Uh, but someone that was was able to create something out of nothing. So, just a couple of examples of of guys that are you know just coming out of collegiate, you know, going come through the local system, that were positive surprises for us. And obviously, Ben Mitchell was a was a standout for us all year, as he was the year before, uh, consistent performer and a natural leader on the field. Um, you know those you know those those were the just off the top of my head right now. So you know Austin. Went 0-16, but, you know, didn't seem to be outclassed, right? Had lots of um, strong performances, you know, lost um, 31-35 to NOLA, um, you know, had, uh, um, you know, a strong showing against the Seawolves on the last game of the season, 38-26. When you look back, what were some of the things, some of the performances that, made you or, or what was it within the season that made you most proud about the team considering all the difficult circumstances you've explained i think probably the most proud was the last game of the year um you know i'm not saying that just because it was my last game but uh, i think the way the guys responded um there are some changes that came in-house uh you know to try and uh, and turn you know bring some sparks back into the into the group and into the building uh, and that and that you know turned out to be a very very positive uh, method approach and then I think the guys responded uh, you know really really well as in they really gelled before the game it was actually one of the first times I, I saw the guys really you know cared about each other on the field um, for I mean not to say that they didn't care throughout the year but you know there, you know there's just something that um, that you could feel I was out there on the field and you could feel it you know, and that, that had been missing all year. Uh, you know, something it's hard to explain, but when you see it, 
you know, you can tell. So that was there on that last game. And that was something I was really, really proud of to be a part of. Uh, I know we got close in the score, but whether we won or not, that was the thing I was always going to take away from you from, you know, being able to, to, to play for something, play for somebody other than yourself. Uh, and to see that in that game was, um, you know, that, that's something that, that left a really, really um, good impression on me uh, walking off the field. Um, yeah, that last game. All right, Drew, you mentioned Todd. You're referring to Todd Clever, for those who aren't sure. Yourself and Todd have taken over the reins down there, taken on more responsibility. What are the building blocks that you are both putting in place now to make sure 2020 is a great season and that you know the Austin public will have a team that they can now get behind? Yeah, so you know we've done the full inventory of um, you know 2019, uh, and, and the one thing I did mention earlier, which you know most sports teams or organisations right across the globe is culture. You know, is is getting your culture right. Um, we did a bunch of research and data and data collection and gathering as much information over the last few months and really putting together where you know where we were, um, you know where we went wrong uh, and solutions going forward big part of that is having the players involved, having it play at centre, uh, you know, driven. And so moving forward, we've done a, you know, really, you know, really emphasising um, getting our culture right and driving our culture. So, you know, what's our vision? What are our plans? What are we trying to do for rugby? What are we trying to achieve as an organisation? Um, having our vision plan, our mission statements and having our, a clear clear path of what we want to achieve as an organization, not just next year, but the next five to 10 years. And then we're now in the process of really putting the building blocks in for not just the rugby, but for the organization as a whole, what we want to do as a company. Um, and that's really where we are right now. We're, we're, we're hard at work putting together our roster with that in mind, uh, you know, focusing more on the local players as opposed to looking overseas. What are we going to do to, you know, We'd like to, you know, wins are going to be great. That's great. You know, that's very, that's that's important in any team, in any competitor, especially in our environment. But I think development as well is just as important, or if not more important, uh, particularly in the landscape of American rugby. Like you say, you know, Todd and I, you know, we, we've got our, you know, MLA hats on, uh, but we also have our USA Rugby and our Eagles hats on as well. So we have that, you know, vision in mind developing our local talent uh, and then, you know, pushing, you know, pushing all this up so that our national men's and women's programs are going to get better as well from this. All right, mate. You were out in Glendale recently at the, there's a world rugby combine here. So you're looking at players. Todd was there as well, helping out. What are you looking for? What are the building blocks that you're looking for on the personnel side? Now you're the director of rugby. So if I'm a, if I'm a young kid, I'm about to finish college. I want to play in major league rugby. What are you looking forward to bring to Austin next year? Well, one, you know, guys that are hungry and want to develop and really have a goal in mind of what they want to achieve in rugby. So it's really having that froth in the mouth, you know, in order to get better, wanting to get better, having, you know, having, um, you know, goals in mind to achieve in their rugby career, their short-term, long-term goals. Uh, um, but also, you know, for us to be able to provide that for them. And then two, as we go down our player metrics and our checklist, do they fit the bill athletically? Do they fit the bill in their, you know, character, character-wise, while their personality uh, qualities like, um, and just really 
you know, doing an overall, um, you know, play evaluation, not just on the field and their talent and their physical um, capabilities, but how do they fit as people? One thing we really pushed on that exit interviews was what are, what are guys doing outside of rugby in their interest? Uh, and then what we came to find out is that a lot of the guys have, you know, degrees in particularly in finance and marketing. And I'm like, well, hang on. We're trying to rebuild a commercial, you know, we're trying to rebuild a company which event, you know, essentially we're, we're an event management or event, you know, management company. Why wouldn't we hire inside? Why wouldn't we help, you know, help ourselves by getting guys involved in what we're trying to do so therefore they have a vested interest in what we're trying to, you know, what we're trying to achieve and not keeping them out in the in the in the blind, in the dark and not knowing what we're trying to do. So if everyone's on board, um, you know, on that, we can actually utilize players' skills outside of rugby. And also it gives guys uh, a more well balanced um, you know, approach to their to their football, to their rugby. So it's not just rugby all day, every day, go home playing Fortnite and video games. They're actually, you know, um, engaging in other parts of their lives, in other parts of their career. Rugby's not going to be around, you know, it's only going to be around, it's not guaranteed. I mean, I was one of the, you know, I was lucky enough to, and worked hard enough to play as long as I did, but I knew right from the jump that, you know, I had to get my degree. I had to keep working at stuff outside of rugby because any given time, and I've been told many times that it wasn't going to work out for me. So that's one thing we really want to push for players, open-minded, looking to work hard, obviously have some talent or have, have things to offer on the field. But for us off the field, it's just as important uh, to, you know, so that we can help provide and to keep developing both sides on and off the field. I think that's a, a great attitude, um, Drew. And it's uh, I've spoken to a number of teams that are, you know, now – um, are, are able to think, start thinking about, you know, providing support to players for what happens next. Like you've said, rugby isn't around forever and um, no one's going to um, be able to retire on their major league rugby salary. So yeah, it's good. It's good for their mental health to have something else. It's also good at the end of their career for them to be able to move on. So it's great to hear um, you and Todd leading that. Um, you know, I, I'd like, I have a couple of questions and just to kind of get your input as a professional player and, and now a staff member, you know, when you look back on season two, where do you think Major League Rugby made the biggest improvements on the field? Like what, what aspects of the game? And when you, you know, project to season three, what do you think the future, you know, what, what are you guys banking on those, you know, is going to be different in season three than was different in season two? So I think I'm anticipating another growth in season three, but not as big of a jump. I think the biggest one from that we learned from season one was physicality was always going to improve because as the season went, the physicality really, really improved. As in, you know, at the first games of the season were always going to be mistakes, errors, and, you know, turnover type tries. But as team get their cohesion right, um, as team get their, their shape and hanging onto the ball a lot longer, the point of difference is always at the point of contact. So that became, as the season goes on, the teams that stayed the healthiest, the team that maintained those collisions at a high intensity were the ones that always would win the arm wrestle. Um, um, and I anticipate everybody going up another level physicality-wise, but I think just in terms of the other skills, the IQ um, around you know, around how the, how the teams have played, 
it really depends on on the coaching development over the preseason and also the the type of recruitment they get in where they're starting to narrow it down to you know to those one percent errors where the x factor guys are really going to come into play in year three because uh, I think a lot of the teams now but it'll be interesting there's three extra teams coming in um, so we'll we'll see how that um, fits into the equation but I think it's going to go up another level but more so on the skill as opposed to the physicality hey drew a couple more things before we let you go mate any updates on the coaching hunt for you guys how's that coming along yeah we're going through our you know going through our list of resumes and interviews we've been uh, we're narrowing and we're narrowing down to you know a couple of guys you know one from overseas and a few locals we've, we've been talking to you know uh, and also some some plan b plan c options um again nothing nothing in solid right now we don't really want to you know give too much detail out but we are nearing um you know some some selections coming up firing a few visa conversations availability conversations so that's that's still to come down the line but we're getting close and mate the last one your goal kicking. Where did that come from? Why have you been doing that? Your well, I've been career? goal kicking for a long time, and I just, you know, I've got other jobs I need to do, so I give it all to the guys who pretend that they can kick. You know, left foot, right foot, whatever you want me to do, I'll step up. Like you know, I'll, 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 I'll book the hotels, flights, goal kick, whatever you want me to do, mate. I got it. I couldn't believe it. And you didn't even need to do the Bowden Barrett. You kicked it from the actual mark every time. You just weren't missing. I think you missed one just so your no, brother didn't feel well, bad. Well, that's what happened. I tried to do the Bowden Barrett, but I think it got caught over. I think uh, the ref caught me and uh, pulled me back. I think that was. I think that was the difference there. Yeah, those two centimeters. Oh, it all changes now, mate. Now you got the uh, the suit and tie on, and the boots get hung up. But really appreciate you jumping on the show. Uh, excited to see what you can do. Obviously. You're going to be successful down there. Your career was a, a massive success from Australia and then to the USA. And I think that will continue over as you move into the executive side of rugby. And very excited to see Austin bounce back next year. 2020 will be a, a good year down in the state capital of Texas there, mate. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, man. You guys keep up the good work. Appreciate thanks, it. There's Andrew Sunula, uh, Director of Rugby. You heard it here first. New Director of Rugby and GM down at the Austin Elite. There we go. Andrew Sunula, Austin Elite. And for Austin fans, it sounds like, you know, better days ahead in 2020 with uh, some changes that are making down there in the state capital of Texas, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, you know, Austin weren't too far away in a number of their games, um, but they just didn't have consistency in selection. I think the um, you know, they're, they're one of the teams that kicked the least. They, they tried to keep the ball in hand. I think, um, you know, a change in staff, even with the same players, I think can see um, a big impact. We saw that, you know, happen with Houston. So it'll be interesting um, as they pull that new staff together. Uh, I, you know, Austin weren't that far away. So I think that you're right. Austin Elite fans can look forward to a better 2020. All right, mate. Let's talk a little bit of PNC now because it was a game that, both yourself and our producer Aaron Castro attended down in Glendale. It was USA, Canada. I said nine, you said 13 plus. All hail the new king, Pete Steinberg. It was a demolition down there as the USA really hit the ground running and defeated Canada at Glendale. And looking at the performance from the Eagles, uh, really continuing that form that they've had in the last 18 months leading up to the World Cup. And I'll talk a little bit of World Cup with you after this, Pete. But first, I want to get your thoughts on the performance against Canada. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that Gary Gold will be that happy with this performance. I think there were some sloppy parts of it. You know, there was an interception try. There were two tries kind of given, two sort of easy tries given up at the end. Um, but there was a lot to build on, a very solid set piece in both the scrum and the line out. I mean, it's great to see um, some of these new players like um, uh, Chance um, Wengluski uh, stepping up. He plays some for New York and will be with Atlanta and um, doing well. Um, you know, Dylan Fawcett was, was, uh, was excellent. Um, you know, I think the um, Sean Davis had a, had a very good um, kicking game. And I actually really liked um, Martin Yosefo from the sevens team on the wing. I think that's someone really to look at. But the thing that actually stood out for me the most was the way that they played. One of the things we talked about last week, Dan, was this idea of sort of, you know, in the centers, you know, we generally have, um, you know, two strong ball carriers. Uh, they had um, Bracky at outside center, but, you know, lots of opportunity for Will Hooley, who plays 10 um, for his club in Bedford playing fullback. And you could see him step in and be that second receiver that allowed the U.S. to play wider. Um, so A.J. McGinty was hitting um, Hooley behind some forward runners that hold the drift. And then Hooley was able to make some things happen, including uh, that um, wonder try that Blaine Scully scored from that kick. I'm, you know, I'm not sure I've ever seen, uh, you know, since the law change a couple of years ago where the corner flag is no longer part of the touchline that the corner flag kept the ball in, but that's um, exactly what happened. And uh, Blaine did a great job snatching that ball and scoring that try. I'll tell you now, that try could be the catalyst to that law getting changed. I guarantee it. <laughs> it, it, I, it would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that, you know, every long-time rugby player was like, that. there's no way that should be a try. If so, you I, are in control of the ball and you're diving, hit boom. the ball. I got, no, you back, back. Back to your shanty, Castro. Back to your shanty. If you have control of the ball and you're in possession and you hit the corner post, I'm fine with that because if you're in the air, then technically you're not touching the line or the ground. But come on, the ball hitting the corner post? There's no way Blaine Scully stops that ball going out if it doesn't hit the post. He's, of course not. he's still a couple of yards away. They'll review that. I'll take it. I'll tell you. You get a little rub of the green there. That's really hard luck on Canada. And you can see... They were kind of like, come on, like common sense. You can't allow that. But letter of the law, it's a try. So here's my question on the World Cup for you, Pete. And it may be a little soon now, 2019. But do you think this is going to be the last World Cup that the Eagles go into where we are just hoping to win one game? Well, I mean, I think if we had a different pool, we might be thinking about winning two games, but we're in like the pool of death, right? And and the one game that 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 we expect to win is Tonga at the end of like a slog. So you know, I I actually think that we're already at the point, Dan, that with you know different competition, um, and you know with sort of an Italy or somewhere like that in the World Cup, and and with uh, you know some of those you know different op- opportunities. I think that we could win too, but I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that, you know, the way I would put it is this is probably the last World Cup when um, we feel like we have no chance of beating a tier one nation. That's how I would put it. Like, I think that when we go in, we should be going in um, in, in, in 20, 
what is it, 2023? Like, as Japan did at the last World Cup, saying, hey, you know, we 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 have the ability to beat one of these tier one nations. And, you know, selections might, might work out that way. It's going to be interesting to see how Gary Gold um, handles it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think that Major League Rugby is going to have a huge impact on the Eagles. And four years from now, Major League Rugby is going to be a much higher standard. And there'll be players that have been, you know, been professionals for, you know, six years as opposed to just two years. And I think that um, it's 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 going to have a big Im- impact on our ability to be able to compete with the best. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just think before the inception of Major League Rugby, the uh, the quarterfinals were still quite a ways from e- even taking out like a good draw in a pool. Like the quarterfinals right. were still like a a, a dream too far, but now I'm like, you know, I tell you, we can. We we saw with the upset against Scotland, and granted, it was an understrength Scotland, but you still have to go out and you have to beat a team that are fully professional. You know, have the resources, have the camp time, and we did it. And that's a yes. huge feather in our cap, and it shows that we can do it. I'm just thinking now. Maybe we have a, a, a Japan moment from the last World Cup and this World Cup, and we go a little close and give a scare, and and uh, well, I mean, maybe we can find a find a South Africa Japan game in our pool. So, so, so if we look at um, all of the other pools, right, and if we look at our fellow Americas qualification, right, Uruguay has Australia and Wales, so two Tier One countries, and then Georgia, who is a very strong team but still Tier Two, and Fiji. And if the USA were there, we would be like, you know what? We would have a shot against Georgia and Fiji. If we were Canada, Canada have New Zealand, South Africa, right? The two top tier one nations. They have Italy. Italy's a strong team, but not one of the top tier ones. And Namibia would be like, oh, maybe those are, those are you know, two, two teams like that, that, that we could beat. And then in Pool A, there's Japan, Russia, and Samoa. So... You know, to me, I'm looking at this and I'm saying we're in, um, you know, the we have the three true, ti- we have three teams, right, in our pool that could legitimately have a shot at making the final and no other pool has that. And we came out as America's one. And I think that's the thing that is um, is a real challenge. And I'm not downplaying, like, I think, you know, one of the things that we can't gloss over is, like, the Canadian performance against the US and where does Canada go from here? You know, it seemed to be that, you know, that, you know, you would think that was, you know, Kingsley Jones is at least pretty close to his top team. Um, they were played off the park. Um, Namibia in the World Cup is is very, very strong. And, you know, they now have to, Canada, get to, you know, play Fiji um, in Fiji. Uh, and that's going to be a really big test for them. I mean, Fiji lost um, to Japan last week, but... You know, Canada versus Fiji is going to be a big test. I I don't think Canada have have, have you know solved their nine ten conundrum. Um, Peter Nelson at ten showed some some good work, but you know looked like someone who hadn't played an elite ten for a while, which is true. Um, you know, we have our discussions about Phil Mack, but really their problems are up front, and and you know what are they going to do to be able um, to win their scrums and lineouts? So it's there's a lot of you know while the US looks and says, all right, you know. We want to compete and, and, and we want to play with these guys. You know, Canada's saying, you know, we, you know, they got through in the repechage, right? And they look like against the US, a team that made the World Cup through the repechage. 
Yeah, you're in a tough spot there if you're Kingsley Jones, right? You've got to you've got to take what's in front of you. You haven't really got an opportunity. Depending on his contract situation with Rugby Canada, I think maybe you look at and if if it's a possibility and he is safe and they're saying, hey, you know what, this is your team for the next five years. You're going to get to the next World Cup and you know, there's no guarantees in professional sports anymore. But you probably take five guys that you know aren't ready. But it will be maybe. better for the experience um, rather than maybe take a guy in his early 30s. There, you know, looking at a second World Cup or you kind of know what you've got. I don't know. Do you think as, you know, as a coach, is it, can you think that far ahead or have you got to take what's in front of you right now and say, uh, well, we're I just going to go with the best we've got and, and hope that, like you said, we can do something against Namibia and Italy? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the honestly, it, having been in that position, right? So having, you know, um, been to a World Cup, um, you know, 2017, what what we did is, is we never chose a player that wasn't as good because they were younger and would be around in 2021. But if we had two players that were close, right, and, and it was really thin between them, then we would select the, the player that we felt like had the longer career. And yeah, part of that is you feel like they're going to improve more during like the three weeks of the World Cup. Um, you know, part of it is that they may not get to play very much. And so, you know, you want to invest in that. But I think that, you know, you don't, you, you just have to put your best foot out of the World Cup. You can't not, you know, you can't take players that aren't good enough now because you think they're good enough in the future. you got to find those games between the World Cups and the cycle. Okay. I've, I've derailed the podcast here with World Cup talk. Let's get back on point. Some PNC. It's USA, Samoa, Canada, Fiji this weekend. Let's do what we already touched on, Canada, Canada Fiji, so let's just finish that one. The, the week you don't want to play Fiji is when they're coming off a loss. And unfortunately for Canada, that's the card that they've drawn. That loss to Japan probably would have stung. Fiji, I believe, were ninth in the world and had a chance to jump if some results went their way and they beat Japan. But, uh, you know, as history now shows, they lose that game and they'll be motivated playing at home. It should sound, from what I've seen on social media too, it's, it's been pretty well received down there, the PNC, and they should get a, a pretty good crowd. And, and anyone that's seen um, uh, Fijian fans in the U.S. know that that's going to be a loud, noisy place. I, I, you know, to me, this is like the real test for Canada, right? I, I mean, and, and, you know, both the U.S. and Canada had a tough trip getting out there. It's tough getting from Denver to Fiji. You know, even the big guys are all an economy. Um, so, but it, it'll be a test for them because they're probably looking and, and you know, they're looking at some of these games and saying, we, you know, we, we really need a good performance. I think if I'm Kingsley Jones, I may not even be thinking about the win. Um, but you're right about Fiji. I mean, Fiji have been on the up. They're, they're a team that's playing well. They're going to be very disappointed, I think, with their performance. Um, against Japan, and, and they're going to look for revenge. I think that's a, um, that's a tough game. USA-Samoa is another tough game. I mean, I'm not sure if you saw any of the clips, Dan, of the Samoa-Tonga game uh, that was in a complete monsoon mud bath, and there's been some complaints about the, the quality of the pitch. But, um, you know, Samoa and Tonga, um, there are a number of uh, players from Australia and New Zealand who, you know, have come out of the woodwork with Samoan and Tongan backgrounds to be able to play for those guys. I think Samoa kept five new players um, in their 
um, in that game against in, in that game against Tonga. So this will be a stronger Samoan side, um, and I think that it'll be a uh, um, it, it'll be a good test for the US and their resilience. And you know, there's been some changes. We've we've looked at Gary Gold. He's been a, someone that has um, generally been very consistent in selection, but you know, he's uh, brought in James um, Hildebrand at Hooker. So still looking to find out what's going on um, at Hooker. Uh, I think I think this might be the World Cup back row with Tony Lamborn, John Quirrell, and Cam Dolan. Um, you know, and then moving. You know, the other two changes are um, Ruben Dahas coming in at nine and then um, Paul Lasique. So this is looking, I think, a little bit more like the World Cup team, but um, a lot of opportunities for players to put their hands up. Yeah, and also remember, you know, in uh, November last year, USA beat Samoa on their European tour, 30-29. Yeah. So was, uh, a little bit of history there between the two yeah. sides. That USA was Ruben Dahas's first start because Sean Davies had a concussion against the Maori. That's right. That's, that was the uh, – Dwayne Johnson came out and put on a New Zealand Maori jersey and, and hit him with the rock bottom. And that's, <laughs> but so some history there. Let's talk about this USA side because one of the things I saw is Ben Pinkelman is on the bench and looking at the number he's wearing doesn't give too much away – in terms of where Gary Gold is looking at playing him. Oh, it does. It does. He's he's playing him in the back row. I mean, there aren't any other back row forwards, right? So um, there's – because they've got Nate Nate Brakeley covering second row. I mean, um, Nick uh, Javada had an injury. Um, you know, that he's, he's in doubt for the World Cup, but I've heard that, um, you know, the team is hopeful that, um, that, that he can be ready. So it's interesting to have Ben Pinkelman and Madison Hughes you know, Madison getting on um, against against Canada along with um, Martin Yosefa. And I think this is great. I think this is how how the, you know, sevens and fifteens should work together. It's a great opportunity for these players to be able to show what they can do. Speaking from the other side, let me play a little devil's uh, advocate. For USA fans, they might get their first look at a player that uh, I know a little bit about from my background, and that's uh, Semi Ran Randra. So watch him in the 13 jersey for Fiji this weekend. He is absolutely amazing to watch. Has this huge fend and just very, as we've seen with a lot of the Fijian outside backs, just amazing speed and balance as he gets around the field. So keep an eye on him. It'll certainly be a handful for that outside back, especially that 13 wing channel to keep uh, semi under control out of there. So he will be a, a great player to watch this weekend. Games on NBC, I believe. Correct, Pete? Games are on NBC. I'm looking forward to um, the USA Samoa game being at a very reasonable time. It's going to be um, uh, 8.30 p.m. Mountain time. So uh, get get Penelope down and uh, sit down with a, with, with a glass of wine to watch some rugby. Ooh, red or a white? It's, that's a red, 8.30? It's a red. It's a red. It's a red. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, mate, let's go over some news around the league and just some more re-signings and a couple of new signings uh, from our new sides. Let's jump into those first. There's DC announced uh, a signing down there, and as has Rugby Atlanta. So DC signed Michael Dubalas. Just correct me if I'm wrong on that one, Dubalas. And then oof, this one's going to be a tough one too, Atlanta. That South African influence already starting to show through there. As Johannes, I'm going to say... Hreki, Hreki, 
you know, we've got Chumasais and now Chareki. I'm going to have a tough time in 2020 with these guys, that's for sure. But two signings there and also some re-signings. San Diego, their hooker, Dean Muir, up, uh, re-ups with uh, the Legion, as does Kenny Nasagage. No surprise there. Kenny had a great year out there. Uh, Tessimoni, uh, Tongawea, Matt Harmon, and J.P. Eloff also back in New Orleans. Pete, no surprises. We know New Orleans, what their MO is. But good to see the uh, two expansion sides getting some signings going as well. Yeah, and, uh, um, you know, um, Dubalas is a um, – I think uh, he's a uh, Penn Stater. Right, so um, has played fly half for them, so has had some good experience playing in um, some some national semifinals, and has had some um, uh, good experiences with the uh, collegiate all Americans. I think he was um, uh, with the collegiate all American squad this weekend. I think Aaron probably knows that better than I do. I was looking up. He uh, he played behind Duncan Van Schalkwick last year in the game against the Raptors, and he again reprised that role as the backup fly half against uh, all Canada University selects. Okay. Two-time All-American. Good. That's a good signing. So, and and I think that that's part of, like, one of the things that's really, I think, exciting about that is that this is um, DC United. um, They've got uh, um, a strong connection to Gonzaga. Gonzaga have a strong connection to Penn State. So you're seeing these teams reach out into their regions and identify some of their best players. I mean, it's going to be a very, very big jump. Um, And the question will be, you know, um, you can take, you know, uh, one of the best players and one of the best college teams, um, but he's, you know, how do you get him ready for Major League Rugby? And that's going to be, I think, really, really interesting to watch. We've already told them how to just get a great front row. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, that's true, but we want to be able to have some kind of, um, uh, you know, we want to have some um, some kind of development for the for the tens. Well, for everyone else, right? So, do you just throw them in? I mean, admittedly, you're a better ten if you're playing behind a pack that's going forward. And you're right about rugby Atlanta. It's the South African connection. Um, uh, Hereke, um Atlanta is also doing a great job of sourcing a lot of players from life another one of the top collegiate teams so i think we're seeing these players be uh, um, recruited out of college as a pathway and that's going to actually have a knock-on effect it's going to affect high school players deciding where they want to go play um, it means the best high school players are going to be more likely to be playing in the best college programs the best college program players will be more likely to be picked up by major league rugby and i think that that's just going to get that um developmental pathway running so very very exciting yeah pretty smart stuff from uh, james walker obviously with tiger rugby he's had his finger on that pulse for a while and also with scott lawrence as their head coach he would have had his finger on the pulse of everything that's happened internationally at 15s as his time with an assistant and but also with all americans he's probably seen the last five six years of pathway players coming through and he'll be able to make some phone calls and get some people in there so uh, we'll we'll jump into rugby atlanta later but yeah they've done a they've done a good job building a front office there and, and a coaching staff as well all right mate well that wraps it up another week in the books i think we're going to take a uh, a week off our our producer may uh, be jet-setting to the second-best country in the world to go watch some rugby, so maybe you can give us an update on that when he gets back. But uh, 
I'd like to point out to Aaron that when I jet set around the world, I'm at two o'clock in the morning during the podcast. But when he's jet setting around the world, <laughs> he's like, uh-uh, no podcast next week. That's my understanding of what's going on. Well, in all fairness, getting stuck at Pittsburgh is not that uh, exciting, but going to Perth, Australia, I'll give Aaron a pass. I think he's going to be pretty busy down there. It'll be a fun time. Yeah, take some pictures, buddy. Bring me back some sand in a jar. I miss it. Sand in a jar. <laughs> all right. Well, um, for everyone, all of our fans, please, um, you know, uh, leave reviews, um, whether it's Spotify or Google Play or iTunes. That help helps others find us. Um, you know, uh, we appreciate all of the support. And Dan and Aaron, we will be talking in two weeks. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening. We'll be back and uh, we'll continue with the reviews. I believe for Houston Sabercats fans, you guys are up next. So look forward to that in a couple of weeks. For Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power. 